0: Listening to Double Exposure with Sophia Lemon and Petro, a photography podcast on both the creative aspects and business side of photography. Join the conversation on Facebook at Double Exposure Show Group. And here's Petro and Sophia.
1: And welcome back. You're listening to episode 14 of the Double Exposure Show with myself Petro and Sophia. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at DoubleExposure.show slash episode slash 14, and please join the conversation on Facebook at Double Exposure Show Group. And we're back. Yay! After the holidays. Merry
0: <laughs> post-Christmas.
1: Yes. Happy <laughs> everything between now and then. Um, you know, there's there's 363 days to go till next Christmas. And you wouldn't believe the amount of decorations people already have up. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> About half a dozen people sent me that meme um, with with a little bit more colorful language. And uh, I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. That's funny. Um, but my Christmas tree at home will stay up until mid-January. Really? Because, yeah, because... Um, Uh, My background being Ukrainian, we actually celebrate uh, Christmas with the old calendar, which is 13 days behind, if you will. Hmm. Um, So the actual Christmas Eve is January 6th, and uh, uh, Christmas Day is January 7th, and uh, Christmas, or rather New Year's Day is uh, January 13th. Hmm. And I grew up with a tradition that the Christmas tree was actually a New Year tree. Hmm. Um, so it's not that I believe it now, but it's not that Christmas tree itself has any religious things, uh, religious meanings, but, um, having it part of being it part of my upbringing, um, the tradition kind of lives on. And, uh, I think part of it is the, the communist regime that I grew up in, in Ukraine <laughs> to blame. But, uh, the truth of the matter is that, uh, uh, we never took our Christmas tree down until Uh, after the New Year's and um, so now we here we just keep it up till middle January and it's it's a lot more fun it's festive it's yeah (laughs) so how about you
0: hopefully the Christmas tree will be down soon and we have a fake Christmas tree and I think we're chucking it this year and we'll be doing something different next year
1: oh you're gonna go real
0: well my my father wants to do that again um but it was always a fight with the real christmas tree because it was always crooked and Mm. like we had to tie it to the wall and everything (laughs) and then of course getting it into the living room because my parents are an old married couple like they bicker the entire time it's going up they bicker the entire (laughs) time it's coming down and then there's needles everywhere um i really like so apparently there's
1: a there's a tree out there that doesn't shed needles, or not as many, or if any at all. Um, a fake one? I'm, yeah, no, a real one. Um, my fake tree is a Martha Stewart tree that I got at Home Depot out of all places. <laughs> and uh, when <laughs> Hannah and I buy Christmas decorations after Christmas, so like uh, this week, if we happen to go somewhere, if there's stuff that we really love, really have to have, we'll buy mm-hmm. it now because it's like 70, 80% off. And if it's something that we really have to have for that season, we will still pick it up. But yeah. this tree we saw by accident. I think I went in to get like a sheet of plywood a couple of years ago for something at the house and uh, or for shipping a canvas perhaps. And um, uh, we saw this tree and it's it's awesome. Anyways, it, it, it has fake snow on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has real, uh, or maybe fake, um, what do you call those things? I forget, those brown things. Those right. s- pine cones, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Anyways, and so when you set it up, there is so much fake snow all over the place. And of course, um, Tank runs around in it and sniffs it and snorts it and sneezes and then runs away, and then of course he tracks it all over the house. Yeah. So you just end up sweeping it for like a whole month. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, I just wish I had a real one, but we'll take what we have. Um, Christmas toppers, or rather Christmas tree toppers, what's what's sitting on top of your Christmas tree? Nothing. Nothing? Um, we have an owl. <laughs> that's cute.
0: Um, we had a um, an angel up there, but she was looking yeah. a little bit crooked, so I just went ahead she and flew took away. her off. <laughs> and set her on the mantle. Your
1: angel flew away, took off, huh? <laughs> That's fine. Anyway, uh, was Santa good yeah. to you this year? Santa didn't even show up, I guess, because I got hmm. nothing. No. Um <laughs> San- <laughs> we um <clears throat> we bought a new truck, so um uh. yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess Santa thought he didn't need to come. So that was sort of our mutual gift. Um <laughs> Um, Hannah drives a smaller truck right now. And, uh, if we have to go somewhere together with tank, he doesn't even fit in the back. So
0: no, (laughs) it was just,
1: uh, it wasn't because of the dock, but it was just kind of like, okay, we can't even use your vehicle for anything. Um, but we definitely need a truck with the 70,000 things that I do. And, um, uh, even just, like I said, just to go to home Depot, grab a sheet of plywood to cut it up, to ship a canvas. Um, mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't ordered a 40 by 60 canvas, uh, that's how it gets yeah. shipped. The, yeah, you know, we I literally build a tiny custom crate for it.
0: Um, hey, that's not what you did with mine that was like 25 by 50 or whatever it was.
1: No, because it didn't <laughs> <Ridiculous>. need that ridiculous. <laughs> um, after 30 inches, the cardboard isn't very rigid, even if you double, triple, quadruple it yeah. up. But even if you do double, triple, quadruple it up, it it then becomes heavier than wood and uh, yeah. just bigger for no reason. So uh, I don't care about the weight in terms of shipping because I get really good shipping rates. However, I care just for the driver and for the customer because uh, as they ship this canvas, uh, and if it's too heavy, there's there's a bigger likelihood of it being dropped or falling over and being damaged in transit. Um, and even though they cover that, even though they, they will pay, you know, it's insured... I'd rather just not make anybody wait. Do it right the first time, so to speak. So, uh, Anyways, but how about you, Santa? Good to you?
0: Yeah, I got some pretty interesting stuff. I got a book from my parents called Grit by Angela Duckworth. The Hmm. Power of Passion and Perseverance. So I think that's going to be a pretty good one for my business. (laughs) Um, What else? Socks chocolate (laughs) no thank goodness no one bought me chocolate but i did get a lot of tea
1: (laughs) nice you should see our kitchen Uh, we have a shelf above the uh the cattle and it's probably about 20 maybe 30 different kinds of tea that is actually consumed on a regular basis and uh yeah we're a little obsessed with the loose leaf
0: I was going into the cupboard all weekend going, which kind of tea should I have now? (laughs) Um, But did you get anything on Boxing Day? Because I got some exciting stuff and I'm going to tell you and you're going to be like, what?
1: I think I'm at the point (laughs) where I just don't need anything. And no Mm. matter how good of a deal it is, if I don't need it, I just don't go out and buy it. And so on Boxing Day, which happened to be yesterday, um, Hannah had to work and I just stayed home with Tank and we hung out. Uh, we did absolutely nothing except, uh, just tidy up and clean up and literally hang out. Yeah. Um, I looked briefly, um, at some Bluetooth speakers because we picked up a Marshall one. Um, it looks amazing. It looks like a little Marshall amplifier and it died about a year and three days after we got it, which meant the warranty expired literally (laughs) just dead. And there were signs of it kind of dying, but you just dismissed them as uh, maybe it's nothing. And yeah. so it's a it, it. We got a great deal on it; it was half price, but it retails for about five hundred, six hundred dollars. And it, it wasn't even that good sounding of a speaker, but you know, it just looks amazing. We still have it out, and it's still it's now like decoration. Um, yeah. But so we like to go outside, entertain, and we like music so you know you can't just listen to an iphone speaker you go you got to have something decent so yeah. um i look i briefly looked for something like that but it ter- turns out that hannah working uh, for apple they have a really cool partnership with uh, ultimate ears and uh, we're gonna get the uh, uh the mega boom i think it's called <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's the one that's consistently getting rated the best and uh, yeah. also i heard it and it's pretty awesome <laughs> nice. So, but still, didn't really go out and get it on Boxing Day, like I said. It, it's um, the novelty for me is gone. I, I mean, I used to actually kind of go to the store and look at a few things, and you know, in the past, I would either need a TV or an iPad. I don't, I don't really remember what kind of things I would buy. Uh, the last time I actually got anything on Boxing Day was about three years ago. I ordered a mini fridge for the studio. It was like eighty percent off. And I also got an external hard drive, which I'm using right now. <laughs> yeah. I had to plug it in to pull one of the contracts off the, off of it. Um, <laughs> one of my older contracts. And uh, I uh, got a USB stick, which back then was like 128 gig stick. was like $49. And today you can yeah. buy it for 25 And, yeah. you know. So, like I said, the novelty has gone. A lot of the items that I use daily just... they. I just don't need anymore, and I don't know. So, yeah. but I, I am curious to hear what you got.
0: <laughs> well, I might have already told you, and I am like working on my New Year's resolution for 2017, which I mm-hmm. never do. I never have a resolution, but I am this year, and it's going to be financial based. And part of it is that I want to buy things from Canadian retailers, mm-hmm. um, and by that I mean, you know, companies based in Canada. So I'm not. Paying American dollars and then paying for shipping and all that fun delightful stuff so I didn't really need anything in particular um on boxing day but I had a couple purchases that I wanted to make like a few days before and then I was like ah uh, I'll just wait until right boxing day and then get them then and so one of them was I keep hearing about this this Casper mattress <laughs> um yeah And then, but it's in the states, so I was like, ah, like they ship worldwide. But I don't want to order from the states anymore because I find it that infuriating. So um, I searched for something in Canada, and I ended up coming across Endy, and we talked about this before. Yeah, which is a similar product, but hey, guess what? They're based in Canada. So I ordered ordered one of those on Boxing Day.
1: Nice.
0: And I'm pretty excited about that one, but I haven't
1: uh, there yet.
0: No. <laughs> no. And I'm honestly not entirely sure when it's going to arrive, but I'm excited about it. And the other thing was um, our friend Benjamin Edward designed a whole bunch of his favorite things. So, you know, my logo mm-hmm. um, and how it's watercolored. It that the inspiration for that was actually from his series of his favorite things. So he did watercolor paintings of, like, sneakers and jeans and... Um, I remember seeing that, Poutine, actually. and yeah. Um, and then at one point I asked him, can you do one of a lemon? So he did one of a lemon, and then I loved it so much, and I'm like, do you want to do my logo like that? And he did. Nice. But, um, yeah, so I had bought the lemon favorite thing as a phone case. Um, and it's it comes from the States as well, so... You know I'm upgrading my phone shortly. You Mm -hmm. and I and Hannah had a conversation about this a couple days ago. Um, And I was looking at the phone cases and everything. And they're all so expensive. And I was going to have to basically order it from the States. Or I was going to pay the same amount of money up here. So I was like, I'm going to just get the lemon one again. And of course, um, for Boxing Day, they weren't charging for shipping. So all shipping was free. Plus, I got like $5 off the case so i was like yeah totally worth it so i ordered the case and this also means that i have decided officially on what kind of phone i'm getting because i've ordered the case and there's no going back now
1: (laughs) (laughs) tell me you got the big one
0: yeah i'm getting the seven plus (laughs) awesome
1: you know funny funny thing about cases is every time i use a case i drop my phone and it one periodically will break I have it. I
0: am yet to break an iPhone, and I think the reason that I have not broken an iPhone yet is because I keep putting those screen protectors on them. And it must add some weird added stability to it, but I drop my phone all the time, and I have not broken. I've had three, and I haven't broken one.
1: Well, I typically break three of every phone I have on average. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I mean, I, okay, I started with the iPhone 3. And uh, it was stolen. I didn't get a chance to break it. And then, but that was a very resilient phone. And then I got the iPhone 4, and then I got uh, the screen smashed in it. And it was pretty resilient too, so I replaced it. And then I went on to iPhone 5. And then when I went on to the iPhone 5, everything changed. I was on approximately seven or eight uh, different phones while in the two year period I had the iPhone 5. (laughs) <laughs> so much so that people at the Apple store, um, they, they knew my, my phones would look like they were put into like a cement mixer and, um, uh, they, they would just kind of like ask to see it all the time and it would have different wear marks. I had a black phone and it was literally worn down to silver. So, and what happened <laughs> <That's> was, <gross>. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, uh, I just wasn't using, um, uh, the the case at all. I, I don't I don't I just like cases. Um, I yeah. said that putting a phone into putting an Apple iPhone into a case is like putting a bumper sticker on a Ferrari, right? You just it's designed to be beautiful. You just leave it. But what happened was is that as uh, time changed, a lot of these a lot of the applications I was using happened to be available for the iPhone, and these are some of the apps that we started we talked about, like uh, the Wave invoicing app or whatever apps I was using, even, uh, even design contracts, I was using some apps uh, before. And then what, what happened was uh, like model releases, for example, everything was, I was using okay. an iPhone app. And so it was being handled a lot, being passed around a lot and just, I even used it to tether. And so naturally it would just happen. So when I got the iPhone six, um, Actually, even when I had the iPhone five, somebody suggested you got to get a case, and I'm like, oh right, fine, I'll get a case. I started breaking phones more once they put one in the case. As a matter of fact, when I got my <laughs> iPhone six plus, um, it broke right away I, I, when I put when I put a new case on it. <laughs> pretty much two days later, Weird. it broke because <laughs> I just find well, it, I... I just find I can't hang on to it as well, and it drops. So now my phone is completely no, naked, and uh, I'm loving it, but.
0: Well, so I thought that I wasn't going to like the giant phone because I have itty bitty little hands Mm -hmm. and I thought I wasn't going to be able to type, but my dad just got the six plus. So I stole it yesterday and I was typing with one hand and I'm like, I can do this, but in any situation that I should be typing with one hand, I'm like driving or something. So I shouldn't be typing anyway. Yeah. Let's not admit that. Exactly. (laughs) So I was like, what's the point? Um, so then I thought, yeah, I'll just go with the huge phone. You know, they have like, text none of them to fit in my where pocket you now. just anyway, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but these phones, like, I've broken, all, uh, I've broken all. I've broken all the cases that I've had wow. um, my phones in, but I haven't broken the actual phones yet. And the seven plus is supposed to be like, like so resilient, isn't it? Yeah,
1: so. yeah. For the most part, it is. But the. Um,
0: the new case, the new case that I ordered has like a rubber bumper and then a case over top yeah. of it. So that'll be good. Hannah had her phone um, for
1: about a week and a half and she broke it.
0: Oh, for goodness yeah. sake. What is it with you two? <laughs>
1: we just like, break do them. you
0: guys drop your phones more than I drop mine? Because I drop mine a lot.
1: <laughs> you know, we just use our phones too much. We just use our phones a lot. Hmm. Um, Hannah uses her phone as an e-reader. And if you know her, you would know that she has about two thousand books, and I'm not exaggerating I'm not <laughs> it's probably more than two thousand it's probably close to three thousand yeah. books you know and so lately she's been you know books that she doesn't have to have in hard copy. she will actually buy it uh, on kobo and so she's the phone's constantly in her hand and so yeah. in and out and you don't have to uh I, I, I'm sure I don't have to get you started on girls' pockets, right? In jeans. So <laughs> no. when you have this uh, I'm miniature gonna... tablet of a phone, um, it it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't fit anywhere. So you just you just can't help it it just falls out
0: yeah I'm actually I'm going to have to start carrying a purse because it's not going to (laughs) fit in my pockets and I hate carrying a purse or I'll just carry it in my hands but we should really get to the topic like now ish but before we get there you were talking about different apps that you have Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, on your mm -hmm. phone and so my goal with the big phone is to get rid of my iPad so I just want to do everything on my iPhone and not have to carry around my iPad but you know what The proof, I know, the proofing software that I have on my iPad is not available on my iPhone yet. So like, ugh. Like I really want them to to put it on the iPhone. It's no big deal. You'll have a purse,
1: so you'll be able to bring both.
0: I know, but then I have my laptop, I have my iPad, and I have my iPhone, and I'm using all three of them, and I don't, (laughs) it's just too much stuff. And then I have a notebook that I'm writing in. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, Petro has mentioned a couple times now that, contracts Contracts. and that's what we're going to be talking about today very exciting! all right
1: when are we going to be talking about it how about now i mean we can start start now
0: now. well actually it's funny that you say the apps because i was actually doing my contracts digitally on the ipad for a while there and having them signed there as well yeah you know which people were always like oh you can do that that's cool and it was like a novelty thing and they thought it was fun i liked it (laughs)
1: until one day something happened and the app didn't save the contract And so I had to reach out to the people and say, hey, let's do it again. And so we did it again. And it turned out that the update uh, screwed something up. So I had to do it for the third time. And what I did is actually (laughs) on their wedding day, I printed out the contracts. And I brought it to them. And I said, "Just here, just sign this. This is the hard copy version. And uh, everything was cool. But uh, the groom was like, uh, why don't we just do this in the first place? And in my head, I just thought, why didn't we just do this in the first place? You know, Um, (laughs) so because I lost all trust in the app, um, I stopped using the app. Um, And now I'm I'm back to hard copies. But I really do. I do a really cool thing with my hard copies. So what I do is actually I sent you a PDF of it to review it. And I mean, you've seen it before. Um, I buy 11 by 17 sheets of paper and I print my contract on 11 by 17 sheets of paper. And if you take an 11 by 17 sheet of paper and you fold it in half, you get eight and a half by 11. What <laughs> crazy
0: <laughs> math.
1: <laughs> or, or if you fold it the wrong way, you'll get five and a half by 17, which uh, then maybe you shouldn't be uh, doing contracts, but um, anyways. And so I printed out on two sheets of uh, eight, 11 by 17 and my, my contract is a, is a six page contract. And the way I okay. do it is uh, uh, there's a cover page on the front, then page one is actually on the inside, okay. page two is um, is the exhibit A insert for, it's a worksheet, and then page three, four, five, six, et cetera, is uh, <clears throat> terms, conditions, and signature pages. And so I do it so that um, page two uh, and three, um, they're both the exhibit and the signature portion um, I can actually remove it from my copy and bring it with me to the wedding, but I never never do anymore. I just take pictures of it. Uh, but what it does is it allows me to keep, to uh, give the clients uh, a book, so so to speak, sort sort of like a pamphlet, like a magazine, uh, rather than just uh, six pages stapled together. And um, yeah. I think that's a bigger novelty than anything. And I mean, I print it on a, a glossier type paper. It's um, it's not photo paper, it's it's just, uh, it's intended for like laser printers, that, for presentations or whatever, but it's got a bit of a sheen to it. And so it looks a little bit like magazine stock. And so they love it. And sometimes if I, if I have a chance from, you know, if very rarely uh, we actually photograph the engagement session, I'll sneak one of their engagement photos on the cover. Just kind of make oh, it fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, the long and the short of it is... Uh, the it doesn't change anything that's in it you know so my point for presentation is just to kind of legit, legitimize my my business and another thing I found that if you just hand them a stack of papers stapled together um, it, it seems more like a contract if you use a book uh, like a like a magazine cover type thing um, it makes, it makes it just more formal and makes it seem almost like, well, it's just something we have to do. Um, it's playing a little bit on the psychology of the client. Now, I've never ever had anybody mm-hmm. look at my contract and say, I'm not signing this, you know? Um, which we'll get <laughs> to this in a minute, but, uh, but you never know. You never know, it could happen, so, um, yeah.
0: Well, I handle all of my contract stuff through Tabe now. Um.
1: It should be the way you do it anyways.
0: Well, it's just so convenient for me because it's paperless, I set up their quote, I attach any questionnaire for any information that I require, I attach the contract and then all they have to do is like approve the quote, fill out the questionnaire, sign the contract, pay the retainer. It's super simple Um, and they can do it all online and I don't have to do anything. I get an email saying, hey, this contract has been yeah. signed. You need to sign it. And then I get an email saying the retainer's been paid. And I can remain in my pajamas, right. which is my favorite which state. Our <laughs> listeners
1: are going to find out that there was no video for this episode because we're both are just hanging out in our pajamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay, Christmas break.
0: Like we literally started the call and I was like, Petra, we're not doing video because I don't want to get I may get <laughs> or may not
1: be wearing pants right now. So I'm just saying.
0: Are you wearing we'll never pants? Know.
1: And on that bombshell. Um,
0: I did notice that you hadn't stood, stood right? up at all. So let's let's just go with
1: that. Um,
0: you did make Hannah go pick something up for you. Oh my God, you're not wearing pants, are gonna, you? Now,
1: now every listener is going to imagine me sitting around with no pants on. <laughs> Anyways, so let's get to the contract. Just for the record,
0: I am wearing pants, and they're plaid.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. I have have turtles. Right. The important
0: stuff: contracts.
1: Um, contracts. So,
0: yeah, we're talking about
1: contracts. All right.
0: Okay. So, any any like podcast or business, whatever or whatever you're gonna like, anything that you're looking at is gonna say you need contracts. That's true, and. Petro, do you agree that you need contracts? Um,
1: absolutely, and I, I, this is the case where I actually will say you need a contract. Um, yeah. There's two uses to the contract. There's the, the first use is you write down the mutual commitment between you and the client. And the second use, and I've never actually had to use it the second time, is when you review these terms and conditions in front of a third party, like an arbitrator or a justice of the peace, you know, or a judge, if you will, um, That that's going to, de- who whom is going to decide um, which party is liable or which party is going to yeah. um, uh, basically benefit from the contract. And in this case... I'm still going to say you definitely need a contract. No matter how big or small the job is, you need a contract. and
0: Well, you know what? Uh, My friend Ralph had me download this book once, and I'm just checking if it's on my phone, but I don't think it is. Um, And it was talking about that use as well. So if you're sitting in front of an arbitrator Mm -hmm. or mediator or whatever – I mean, yeah, you use it for that, but more, it's just you know you have everything written down. Um, everyone knows what they're supposed to do, and hopefully, you never have to get to the point yeah. where you say, "All right, here's what it says in the contract." Um, but that, I guess, that's a, sort of a third use or yeah. a second use in the in the three-step process, which so, is if you have to, you can you can always fall back to the contract and tell people this. This yeah. is in your contract. This is what you signed. And then if all else fails, then you go to an yeah. arbitrator or mediator And one or whatever, of the things
1: but. that I kind of want to say is uh, you're, you're still a human being. So at, at the end of the day, you know, don't be one of those um, contract Nazis that is refusing to bend or refusing to budge because you wrote something in your contract. And you want to sound super professional and say, well, no, I'm not going to do this because you signed a contract. You know, sometimes you really need to listen to what people are asking you and, you know, don't, don't be weird.
0: I think, I think the less that you can mention the contract after (laughs) it's been signed, the more happy your clients are going to be. (laughs) Yeah,
1: And so, (laughs) yeah. So what is, what is a contract? I I always uh, describe it as a mutual commitment uh, for the client. Uh, as a photographer, I'm going to outline things that I'm going to do, and it's my promise to you. And for the photographer, you, the client, are committing to uh, some sort of compensation for the services that I'm promising to do. And so, mm-hmm. I think that once you understand that, you can actually uh, be a little more more relaxed about what you're doing. You know, and every time. I whip out a contract, I, I always use that term, it's a mutual commitment, and, you know, especially for weddings, when you when you start throwing around words like that, they just start feeling fuzzy, warm and fuzzy in their bellies, and they go, okay, well, let's sign this, let's give each other high fives, and uh, let's go from there. So, one of the things that I, any new photographer says to me is, well, what do I put in the contract, where do I start? And I, and I think, and it's really yeah. intimidating because you, it's like, well, what do I put? You know, a contract could be as simple as I, Petro, agreed to photograph you, you know, John and Joanne on this date for this much. Here's what I gave you. And then each party signs it. That is actually a valid contract, believe it or not. Um, and yes, you could write it on a piece of napkin or you could write it on the back of uh, a... <laughs> Uh, a book or a magazine, as long as the parties sign it, it can serve as a legal contract. It doesn't have to be super fancy schmancy. Um, mm-hmm.
0: That being said, if you're like <laughs> committing to each other um, mm-hmm. on a napkin <laughs> um, for marriage, I'm I'm not sure that that particular contract is <laughs> no. valid. Um, so if you're gonna go all Grey's Anatomy on your marriage,
1: <laughs> this is a um, reference. Maybe I reconsider. Yeah.
0: Maybe. <laughs> you yeah, haven't I watched not Grey's, not watch Grey's Anatomy? What is wrong with you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apparently everything. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. You're absolutely right. So um, to answer the, the question, the previous question is what do you put in your contract? Um, I think one of the first things you need to do is to outline the parties that are involved. So um, sort of put, you know, my contract starts out as this wedding photography agreement and in the brackets it says the agreement so i don't even use the word contract i use the word agreement is mm-hmm. entered into as of and i always put the, the effective date which would be the date that we sign it between locks photography company with offices located at you know the current off, uh, address and the client um whose current residence is, is will be described in exhibit a of this agreement and we'll get to the Exhibit A portion. And so this, this basically outlines who the contract is between. So, so basically put, you have to introduce yourself and the client. It will, it will basically introduce the, who the terms and conditions are going to apply to. Um, I have a small blurb that says the attached Exhibit A, which is also known as the Wedding Worksheet, and Exhibit B, which is the additional terms and conditions, are hereby incorpor- incorporated into this agreement in consideration of the mutual promises and covenants contained herein and other good and valuable consideration. The receipt-
0: Yeah, so as, <laughs>
1: sorry, I <laughs> no, was going to finish, <laughs> but yeah, basically I meant to kind of make it run on because uh, it just has a lot of fancy schmancy words that, say exactly what I just said. You're you're outlining, the. you're introducing the client and yourself and you're outlining who this agreement is between. Okay, go.
0: Yeah, so as you're listening to this and Petro is reading his contract verbatim, which I hope he doesn't (laughs) do for the entire episode. um,
1: I am going to.
0: (laughs) Petro's and my contracts are very different in the language that we use, but it's pretty much the same idea. Um, The message is the same. Well, at the beginning of mine, I have it just put in the client's names, like the client's contact information, wedding date, wedding location. And then I have their package details. And then it just says their names are entering into this contract with Sophia Lemon and you agree to the following. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually changed mine to uh, speak in the in the first person mm-hmm. um, just because... That was my branding. That was the way that I wanted to talk to people. But you can do that legally as well. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah. And absolutely. then the, the language in my contract is a lot less complicated than the language in Petros. But, you know, um, when we were reviewing these contracts before we started, um, we realized that they're pretty much exactly the same yeah. contract, just with different language. And what it comes <laughs> down
1: to is the fact that I was also working with um, a lot of art uh, like art directors and uh a- agencies. Um, <clears throat> and these agencies quite often the client was not the actual client. The client was the agency. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so for example, um, uh, when I was doing some shooting for TJX Canada, um, I was not shooting for TJX. I was actually shooting for the client who was, uh, an agency, a third party agency. And my con- contact was an art director. So I was, my client was the art director and, um, So, I actually signed this contract with the agency rather than the client, but then I would go and photograph uh, the client. So,
0: yeah, I guess we need to chat about that. Like, who is the client? And I know that we talked about this briefly before we started, um, but we're basically talking about wedding contracts right now. Those are the contracts that Petro and I are looking at. And um, as a wedding photographer, at times you will have um, a parent. Of a bride or groom um, coming to you looking for a photographer, and I think Petro and I do this slightly differently. So I always have the couple sign the contract, and if someone else is paying, that's fine, it doesn't matter to me. But the people signing the contract are the bride and groom, but you, Petro. Have so I, whoever car- is paying
1: also sign. Also, absolutely, especially if they're giving me yeah. a check with their name on it, or if they're giving me a credit mm-hmm. card with their name on it, I will have I will put them on the contract as a sort of subsidiary or you know client number three, if you will. And mm-hmm. the reason I do that is because I was uh, quote unquote burned in the past. And what happened is, even though I had a contract and even though I signed the contract with the groom, he used the bride's credit card. And even mm-hmm. though he was, uh, you know, authorized to use it, she told the bank that he used it, uh, without authorization and just so, she, <laughs> just so she could get the money back. And she did that with every single vendor. So I kind of <laughs> briefly mentioned, this is the bride that didn't like her hair, who loved the photographs, wow. but didn't like her hair. Yeah. I don't know. Did we talk about this in the last 14, 13 yeah, years? We did. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So this is how it, um, how it turned out. She, ba- even though I had a contract and even though, um, her name was sort of on the on the contract as a, as the bride she didn't sign the contract only he signed the contract and mm-hmm. this kind of made me think okay well for, i know this i know in this case it was the bride and groom but if it's a mom or dad you know quite often when the retainer is paid paid by the bride's father (laughs) they'll they'll either come into the meeting with them or they'll call me or whatever or they come in the studio later and the retainer is paid by the bride's father Um, or mom or mother for that matter it it doesn't matter who but uh, in which case I will put their name onto the contract and they they instantly become the client as well and for that matter um, or sorry for the purpose of in case there's ever a dispute, I can say, look, you're, you're part of the contract. You are the client. You agreed to pay for it. And so I only do that to cover myself now. Uh, in the past, the clients were bride and groom and if the father paid for it, or if the mother paid for it or whoever, then so be it. Now I do offer gift certificates as, um, sort of a wedding registry. So, um, the bride and groom's guests can actually purchase gift certificates, in which case mm-hmm. it's different. They're, they're purchasing uh, credit to, uh, f- to the studio. I don't need their names. I don't really care. They're not going on the contract. The bride and groom are still there. If the father or the mother or the aunt or the grandfather or the little brother gives bride and groom a pile of cash and they pay for it, then I don't put that person on the contract. So... In, in short, they, the third party only goes on the contract if their name is either on the check or the credit card that they use. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right. but I want to uh, go over another point. So, uh, back to what goes in the contract. And after mm-hmm. we introduce the bride and the groom or the, the client, um, we immediately outline what is our commitment to them. And uh, Mm -hmm. we call it the photographic service and products. Um, And that's that section. And you have that section in your contract as well, which you basically call package details. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it outlines everything. And so what I do now is I will put every single uh, detail I can possibly put on there. So if we're doing a wedding package, uh, I'll put engagement photo shoot. I'll put that there is uh, wedding day photography and how many hours I will put that whether or not there's one or two photographers, if they're getting a photo proof album, if they're getting an Internet gallery, if they're getting digital images of any sort, if they're getting anything that is on my price list at all. And when I put it on there, I also put a monetary value on it. And I started doing that because um, we just one day we just happened not to shoot. Uh, the engagement session. Something happened, and I don't recall why, but they put it off, they put it off, they put it off. I think she. Had, yeah. I think the bride actually went into labor and uh, had a baby and just didn't work out. And so they wanted credit for the engagement shoot. And they came to me and said, well, your price list says you charge $600 for engagement shoot. And I said to them, yeah, but when it's in the wedding package, it's discounted by 20%. So you technically aren't paying $600. You're only paying $420 or $480, rather. Um, to which she said, well, that's not fair. You know, you didn't tell us that. We, If we knew that, it just didn't make sense. You know, they they, they, they thought, well, we, we thought we could get our money back. We thought we could get full, all the money back. And from my point of view, from my perspective, they were just trying to get as much money back as possible because they, mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't. Get what they wanted so um now i put a monetary value to this and that's so, sort of as a balance sheet um and it, at the end each uh monetary value adds up to the amount of the wedding package so i, I break yep. it down um <clears throat> and uh if i if i'm giving something away for free I still put a dollar value on it. So like even if it's even a dollar, for example, and that way if I don't give it to them, you know, I can throw throw them a dollar at the end of the wedding or something. Not yeah. that it ever happened. So
0: the way that Tave lets me create a package mm-hmm. and then I can throw all of the details of their wedding package in there, but then the client doesn't see the value of each of those things. Mm-hmm. So they only see the total value of their package. Right. So in my contract, they see the total value of their package, which is, and that is associated with the um, package that they booked. So their invoice, um, and then so there isn't a monetary value to any of those mm-hmm. individual mm-hmm. things. Um, I, I don't give cash back when people decide not to do things with their wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, you can upgrade your album or something like that. You could downgrade your album and get another album, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't give money back if you like skip your engagement session or something. Um, but I mean, if I like you, which it, m- most of the time I do, I'll probably I'll probably do like a like an anniversary yeah. session, like a session afterwards rather than yeah. just like canceling it altogether. Yeah.
1: The problem with that is that and I mean, it's in my contract too that uh, basically says, you know, if if it's if it's act of God or limitations of locations or whatever, if it's if it has anything to do with that's out of my control, then then, mm-hmm. you know, we'll definitely will work something out. And I put in my contract that I'm not in a position to uh, just give refunds on packages, but instead, yeah I think it, you know, because because the contract or the agreement is a mutual commitment to execute certain things. Um, what I do is I carry it forward as a credit. So that's why I still assign a dollar value to it. You know, in, in these guys case, um, what happened was they, they basically didn't pay their, their amount yet because we didn't shoot the wedding yet. And so they were just trying to pay less. So they, they still owe $1,200, I believe. And they said, well, look, why don't we just give you 600 since we didn't take you up on the, on an engagement session. And, you know, in the past, I would have said, well, I could have booked a wedding that had an engagement session and got more money. Now, I just don't say anything. I just say, you're, you're correct. We didn't do that. Um, of course, it's ne- it's nobody's fault, but um, because, uh, you know, certain services have been prepaid and everything, and now um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're sort of losing this revenue, the best thing I can do is because I've already secured uh, a second photographer, et cetera, et cetera, is we can take this and carry it forward as a credit to towards uh, canvas prints, albums, or future photo shoots. Yeah. But that's why I assign a value to it so that I can say, well, you only have four hundred eighty dollars carry forward. You you know.
0: Yeah. So what I do is they have their package right that they're booking, mm-hmm. and then there's a value to that package, but not to each individual yeah. thing. So they're not like, hey, we want the three hundred dollars back yeah. from this. There's no three hundred dollar value to that. It's it's a part of the package mm-hmm. that you booked, so there isn't like a downgrade available. There's no cash back for any of the services as a part of this package. Um, so in cases like that, what I would do is I'd be like, okay, so in the new year, because or after the wedding or whatever, we'll we'll do. A portrait mm-hmm. session of the two of you. So, if you didn't do the engagement session before, let's just go ahead and do a session of the two of you afterwards.
1: Yeah. Why you want to assign a, a dollar value though is in, in case of arbitration, um, you don't want to leave it up to a third party to decide what it's worth. Um,
0: well, I mean, I have it. Yeah,
1: I, I understand what you mean, what you're, what you're saying, but for for, for, I for anybody, I have the dollar value.
0: They just can't see it, yeah,
1: and that's fine too. Uh, but for anybody who's thinking, well, I'm not going to do that. Whatever, there's no there's no reason to do that do it cover yourself it's completely it's totally worth it so
0: so i think the next logical place to go from here is talk about the refunds and termination
1: yeah um well um before we go to refunds do
0: not read it verbatim before we
1: go to uh, refunds and termination (laughs) i think we should talk about uh payment terms um yeah like when you're when you're outlining payment terms in a contract Um, make sure that you put down in detail exactly how much the customer is paying, how much the client is paying at the time of booking and Uh how much and when they owe you the balance. And, um, if you're in the province of Ontario and charging HST, outline the amount of HST they're paying and, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure that they're well aware of it. Um, Basically, this is where you can uh, outline um, the amount of the co- of the package of the wedding package. How much of it is the retainer for your services? And this is why I thought mm-hmm. uh, we we really need to talk about this because a lot of people call it a deposit, and there's yeah, no, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with calling it a deposit, uh, with the exception that legally a deposit is refundable and if mm-hmm. you're going to retain my services for a certain date and then you decide to cancel the agreement i legally have to refund your deposit because you didn't you didn't use my services so the term deposit just means you know here's here's something to hold the date etc cetera, etc cetera. and it doesn't matter you, you can argue with me all day long um it You're going to have to give it back, especially if they take it to arbitration. Um, However, a retainer is a fee that a customer is paying to sort of book a slot and retain your services. Now, this booking retainer, I collect at the time of uh, the contract being signed. And Mm -hmm. this is the only thing that validates the contract. If you have your client sign the contract and they walk away, and they don't give you a single dollar, so no money is exchanged, and you wait until the day of the wedding, they could literally pull, pull the contract, throw it, throw it out, tear it up, no matter what language you're using, no matter if you're saying retainer or deposit. If there has been no exchange of actual currency, the contract is not legally li- viable. It is not a, a true contract. In order for the contract to be uh, legally executable, you have to exchange some sort of money. Even if it's a $50 bill, even if it's a $10 bill, whatever it is, (laughs) there has to be an exchange of funds.
0: Yeah, so mine under my... And we'll post our contracts for you guys to have a look at. Um, Under my fees and retainer section, um, the first point is that in order for your wedding date to be booked, you have to pay your um, retainer. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't pay your retainer, like this is more important for Mm -hmm. me, I think. Um, If you don't pay your retainer, then the date is not going to be reserved. So if someone swoops in and says, I'm going to pay you more money for that date, then I can go ahead and book them if I want want to. to. If someone has signed the contract and decided to be a little bit delinquent Mm -hmm. with paying paying the retainer, um, yeah. Although in Tave, it's all Yeah, set exactly. Up, so That's what...
1: Do it all at once, but yeah, you know what I mean. To <laughs> the truth, I, this, this is where I would completely, um, recommend Tave. And I mean, I, com- I recommend Tave to every single person I can. Because if you can use a third party managing software to keep track of everything, it's worth all any money that you, that you will spend on it. Um, why I'm doing it this way is because I had a little hiccup and at some point, I think I might try Tave again um, and see where where it takes me. But um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether you use the app or not. Um, get the get the paper signed, nope. get the contract signed, digitally or yeah. uh, physically, and collect the retainer, and that will make it valid.
0: Well, I mean, you have a system, and your system yeah. works, right? So that's <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Um, but yeah, you have to. Definitely collect the retainer and I would suggest that if someone is not paying you the retainer and they're kind of holding out, they've signed the contract, um, but they're holding out on paying the retainer, I would personally keep humoring other people who are contacting you for the same date because if they're really being resistant to paying the retainer, Um, I would suggest that they're probably looking at other photographers or they're considering not booking you. So, well, you can put the pressure on them by saying, um, I have other people interested in this date. I just want to remind you that your date is not um, booked until the retainer is paid. Mm -hmm. It's really important that they pay that. So let's
1: talk about the retainer (laughs) itself. What do you collect as a retainer?
0: My retainer is 50% of their package in general. So I can do any, any amount, but Typically, like 99% of my contracts are 50% of the total package.
1: (laughs) I'm going to leave a comment to myself. Uh, Anyways. um, What? (laughs) uh, I'll tell you later. Anyways, because we we will totally go off track here. Anyways, um, so we used to collect. uh, So when I first started a long time ago, I used to collect $500. And then for the longest time, I would just collect $1,000 as a retainer. And now mm-hmm. we do collect fifty percent as well. Um, and fifty percent is good because you know if for some reason um, the wedding is canceled, um, that's a, that's a good amount to to still be able to you know pay third parties if you because you too retain the services of a second photographer, um, uh, of other things. And I mean, there's certain overhead mm-hmm. costs, there's certain studio costs. And I'll have to admit the very first time that uh, the wedding was canceled, I did refund the quote unquote deposit that I had taken of $500. Um, because I just felt really bad. I was like, Oh, I can't keep the money. It's just hard. And that month I had a really hard time coming up with the rent for the studio space, you know? Yeah. Um, and you, yeah. you just realized that, it, it, this is You have to realize, rather, it is your business. You, you're you trying to make a living, you know? Um, if you had a job, if it was something simple like a job at Tim Hortons where you're responsible for baking donuts and you have a shift, that's an eight-hour shift, and, you know, the truck didn't bring the donuts so you had nothing to do, well, you wouldn't <clears throat> want the restaurant to send you home and say, yeah, we're not going to pay you because the donuts didn't come in. Right. So dollars to donuts, you want to get paid here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So termination and refunds then.
1: Terminations and refunds.
0: Very exciting section. And I always have people ask questions. So in my contract, which we will post on the website, I have specific lines highlighted for my clients. So they know what to pay particular attention to. And there's a couple spots in my refunds and termination section that I want people to pay attention to. I think we both have the exact same um, termination section in our contracts. Yeah. So there's two types of termination. There's at the client's discretion and at the photographer's discretion. Um, And what I have done is highlighted the um, situations under which their retainer will not be refunded because Mm -hmm. that's, The information that generally they're more interested in. Um, So basically, the situations under which I do not refund the deposit, sorry, the retainer, (laughs) is if the couple reschedule their wedding, and I cannot book the new wedding date, because I'm already booked, for Mm -hmm. example, or if they cancel the wedding, and I'm not able to rebook that original wedding date. So I miss out on shooting a wedding that day, <clears throat> and I do not. Sorry. All um, oh, right. The third thing that I have highlighted here is if they fail to make any payment outlined in the contract, um, then I can terminate the contract.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which hasn't ever happened. <laughs> And I've still shown up when they've paid late as well. So,
1: so have I. I mean, uh, I'm not very good at following just... that particular line. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, as much as I, I, I say, I tell people we don't show up until the contract's paid in full. Um, there are instances where the bride and groom have called and said, "Look, we're we're good for the money. We've just spent yeah. a lot of it. Would it be okay? You know, we're going to get a lot of gifts. Would it be okay if we paid you um, at the wedding?" yeah or would it be okay if we paid you uh when we come back from the honeymoon to which i, I have said well why don't you just pay me now and you know use a credit card and mm-hmm. you can pay it off with the money you get at the wedding yeah you know um and i they go oh yeah i could use a credit card that's cool no problem let's do that
0: a lot right. of people have asked me also oh, we pay you at the wedding um And no. So in my contract, the final payment is due 10 days before the wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that I do that is because around the wedding, people forget. They Mm -hmm. do not remember all of the contracts they are supposed to pay for. And on the wedding day, they have all of these envelopes of cash or (laughs) checks or whatever to give people. And they forget because they're not thinking about it because they're getting married.
1: So if that's the case... Just remind them because there are certain perks to that. Um, I have to admit, whenever I was paid in that with one of those envelopes of cash on the the wedding day or just slightly yeah. after, there's always been anywhere from fifty to six hundred dollars extra in there, yeah. and that's yeah. that's cool. Um, I'll take. That.
0: I just. I don't personally wanted to want to get into the situation where something happens at the wedding and they fail to pay me, and then yeah. afterward they just decide they're not going to pay me at all.
1: Yeah. You have um, to trust the client. I mean, you have to really. Yeah, know I know who, you who do. Who they are. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so, and I'm not recommending that you guys do this. I'm not recommending that anybody do this. I recommend that you collect all your money before the wedding, or yeah. before you execute anything. Now in the in the instance of if, if you're not working with a wedding, if you're working with a client, like a, like a business, there's going to be terms of 30, 60, or 90 days um, that you will have time to collect the money. But, um, you know, because we're mostly talking about wedding clients here, um, collect your money beforehand. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't listen to what I do. Do as I say, not as I do. And because ninety five percent of the time I collect the monies before we shoot the wedding, and no, our clause know, is two weeks the which... clients
0: who the clients who probably would come to me and say, "Can we pay you on the day of or the week after?" Mm-hmm. The people who feel comfortable coming to me and saying that are the people that I get along with really well, so yeah. I would probably be like, "Yeah, that's cool, but um, generally, generally, I want them to pay beforehand
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so. um, mm-hmm. when we would refund money um pretty much never even uh, (laughs) even if i for some reason cannot shoot the wedding in my agreement i state that for for whatever reason if i'm not able to shoot the wedding i will have another uh party of equal or better experience execute the contract for you um yeah if for some reason i can't cover it then then I actually say that I will try to find somebody to do it. And if for some reason I can't, you know, like completely a third party, so not even under the Lux Photography Company umbrella. If for some reason I can then no longer shoot the wedding whatsoever, only then will they get a refund.
0: Now you did have in here, I read when I was making notes on your contract, that if you can't find someone that they like that you would reach, refund their money Mm -hmm. i can't remember where it says that
1: um probably in the termination clause number six where is
0: that yeah if an acceptable replacement cannot be found yeah um i don't even really give them that option (laughs) <laughs> I just say that I will find someone to replace me and if I cannot find someone to mm-hmm. replace me then I will refund their money but um, I don't say you know if you don't like them then
1: I don't say I, that either the lang- the language is the language is very uh, very relaxed but it's still kind of ironclad if an acceptable replacement is not found Lux photography company shall I- immediately refund all monies paid including the book and retainer.
0: Yeah, so the part that I found confusing then is where it says that Lux Photography Company will make every e- effort to secure a replacement photographer acceptable to the client,
1: no, but not by the client.
0: But they still have to accept them, don't no, they?
1: No, they don't. No, they don't. I, I do. <laughs> Lux. This is where it says Lux Photography will make every effort to secure a replacement photographer. Uh, so it's not it's not um, it's not saying Lux Photography will make every effort to secure a photographer that is accepted by the client. It's acceptable to the client. So it, basically, what, what this is saying, uh, and this is how it was worded to me, is it's saying that you're going to make every effort um, to get them a photographer that is just as good or better than you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and. I will bring it, you know, I'll bring it back to, to my lawyer and I'll say, is there any, you know, I'll say Sophia didn't, Sophia didn't think so. Sophia thinks that it's possible that client has to get involved here. And if he says, yeah, that, that is possible, maybe we'll change the wording. Well, I'm sure that's how
0: they would read it. So I guess, um, what I'm asking is how would you communicate it to them otherwise? So that they're not like, no, we don't like this person. So give uh, us our money back.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I ho- hope it doesn't come to that.
0: Um, no, so the the issue with the contracts, you'll find I'm being very um, cynical here mm-hmm. is that you have to write them as if this person's going to come to you and be like, no, this isn't acceptable. Give us our money back. Um, but after it's written and signed and everything, that's when you treat mm-hmm. them nicely and you don't refer back to the contract constantly, but it has to be written so that it protects you. Mm-hmm.
1: And at the end of the day, I mean anybody that I that I offer to the client um will, will be somebody that I would want to shoot my wedding type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not gonna be just somebody I've never met. Um so <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like, I'm basically going to, to, to give them a good choice. So I, I'm, not, I'm never worried that they're going to say no. And what I'm banking on is they don't have a choice anymore. They literally have, um, you know, maybe days or weeks before their wedding, the last thing they're going to do is be picky about it. So really, at the end of well, the day, I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all.
0: Yeah. In that case, I think it's just a matter of people wanting to spend less money on their wedding. I think that would just be the issue. (laughs) Like, I don't think it would have anything to do with the photographer. They would just be like, well, I mean, we're not getting the photographer we wanted. So let's just get our money back kind of thing. Yeah, no,
1: no, that's not going to happen. And really, it's not like this is it's not like this happens all the time. I mean, in the rare case, uh, what happened with um, what's her name that we had on the show? Oh my goodness, Melissa. Melissa, yeah. Uh, what's her last name? cranny i cranny. Thought it was K. Anyways, <laughs> uh, what happened with Melissa? It's a rare occasion, right? It's not something you oh, plan yeah. for. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the the client uh, they they were I'm sure they were happy with the photos, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And so, where it what it comes down to is the fact that you as a, as a provider as a business the last thing you want to do is just get anybody for this person because their negative experience would be a lot more hurtful to you as a business. So, Mm -hmm. but you know, this has nothing to do with a contract. Um, Yeah. So there,
0: well, yeah, there are a couple other sections that I want to go over in the last two sections that I want to go over like today are liability and then copyright. Mm -hmm. And, i mean i don't really like the liability section in my contract which i'm sure is very similar to yours Mm -hmm. and the reason that i don't like it is because um, of my first line in it which is that i can show up at your wedding and photograph it and if i lose well it says failure to deliver photos for any reason Mm -hmm. that i could have to return money to people Mm -hmm. which makes me a little bit nervous because I would be afraid that people would read that as um well you lost some of our photos and therefore we want all of our money back and we want the photos that you did take you know you it's not an issue I've had to deal with yet because I have gone to a wedding and I have lost photos okay (laughs) and Um, I take certain steps to protect myself in cases like that, like using many different memory cards. So I'm less likely to lose a huge chunk of a wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, if it did happen, that would, I mean, I mean, if you're refunding, if you're refunding all of their money, you don't give them any of the photos, basically. That's the way I look at it.
1: So in my, in my, yeah, in my agreement, it says that, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to quickly find it. Um.
0: Right. In the meantime, mine says, although I will always treat your photos with care, my liability for loss, damage, or failure to deliver photos for any reason is limited to a full refund of any money paid.
1: Right. And that's good. That's a good thing to have. Um so I have a uh, clause number five is for requested photos. And it's sort of a blanket clause. Yeah, that covers, I have that one too. Right. It says, <laughs> while Lux Photography Company will make every reasonable effort to take photos specifically requested by the client, client understands that a wedding is an uncontrolled event and that due mm-hmm. to variations of the weather, available light, and willingness of subjects, Luxitography Company cannot possibly guarantee that any particular requested photo will be taken. And so this will kind yeah. of fall under that clause. I mean, I
0: like probably
1: won't tell them that I lost photos, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, you know, not, not that I will lie to them, uh, but I'll just say that, you know, these photos were not, uh, we, we didn't take these photos. We didn't get a chance to for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. Uh, this never happened. So I never had to come up with anything, uh, mind you. It did happen once. Uh, what what actually happened is I asked the bride to do something. Um, she actually wanted a jumping shot, which we weren't prepared for, and it was quite a, quite. The light was quite low. Um, the exposure wasn't very uh, very good. Uh, the light wasn't really good to work with, so the exposure wasn't perfect for to capture uh, a jumping shot. And so she did two shots uh, where she jumped, and she said, okay, my feet hurt. I don't want to do it anymore. I said, that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. It looked silly and ridiculous anyways. They were blurry. We didn't really get anything. Uh, like I said, we weren't ready for it. Um, and so uh, when we delivered the photos, she called me back and she said, well, where's the jumping shot? And I basically told her flat out, I said, it, it didn't work. Like your feet hurt. We didn't, we didn't even get a chance to take it She goes, yeah, but you did take photos. I said, not really. Th- those were just test shots and then your feet hurt. I'm sorry. Um, she goes, okay, well, that's fine. Reality is I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, um, adjust the exposure. I just didn't get a chance to do anything because the first couple of shots yeah. I took when she was jumping, um, even though I was at like 500th of a second, they were still blurry. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she was just jumping off of something onto something. I don't even recall this. This would have been like eight, nine years ago. So I don't exactly recall the details, but I do recall this event. And so that's, that's probably where this, uh, clause was born. Um, you yeah. if, if my memory card fails and I can't retrieve the photos, um, I will make it up to the bride and groom. I mean, I, you kind of have to, mm-hmm. um, you, you did promise to, to photograph a wedding, and you you are kind of promising <laughs> to be professional and present, and uh, you know it's it's your commitment to have uh, equipment that works. It's your commitment to have um, people who are reliable, you know, second photographers that can be there on time and not not just stand there with a the camera in their hand and look and smile and think that, oh, this is such a cute thing, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, well, why aren't you photographing it? Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's up to you to secure everything uh, as a professional. So. I, think,
0: I think I actually talked about this wedding where this happened this year, um, and my one of my memory cards failed, and I lost a specific section of the wedding. I had a second photographer, so I had coverage of everything mm-hmm. there were just specific photos that I missed that my second photographer didn't get and then I lost and in that case I edited the, everything I got it all ready to go I called the bride and I said look I lost these photos and the photos that I lost were, were photos of the wedding party uh, photos of the wedding party together and then some of the family photos mm-hmm. um and Uh, what I did was I said, I I lost these photos for the family photos. I've cropped your large family groups down. So you still have photos of those Mm -hmm. family groups that you wanted. And as far as the wedding party was concerned, I had photos of the groom and the groomsmen and I had photos of the bride and the bridesmaids. I just didn't have them all together. Um, so I said to make it up to you, I'm going to print a canvas for you. So pick your favorite photo and we're going to print a canvas of that for you. So they were perfectly happy with that. And I sent along the link to their proof gallery and they opened it and they emailed me back. And they're like, there are so many photos in exactly. here. We don't care. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> this, this happens more often than not. You could potentially lose half the wedding and people won't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are times there, and this is why the uh, limitation of liability clauses uh, exist. Uh, because there are times where you're just going to miss stuff. Uh, and there are times where you know just through no fault of yours, stuff's gonna happen. And this is exactly why well, I choose cameras that have two memory cards that um, when when I photograph a wedding, it when I re- photograph anything for that matter, it records to two separate places for that reason because um, it's a small price to pay not having to refund that money, right? Because you're yeah. you're you're standing to lose more money than you actually spend. And so at the end of the day, like if you're doing this as a business, uh, consider it the cost of doing business, charge your clients a little bit more. If you're photographing 25 weddings this year and something that you're, that's going to make a difference is going to cost you $2,500, then mark up each wedding a hundred bucks. Okay. You're still going to have the same profit margin. You're still going to be able to pay for your equipment. It's just cost of doing business. That's how, that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. but you know, it's, it's funny, uh, how many weddings I see where I'm either a guest at or just happen to be, you know, alongside because I'm shooting a different wedding. I see photographers photographing with subpar equipment and the number one argument is yeah, but it's better than good enough. Yeah. For image quality, it's, it is better than good enough. You can, you can pull off great image quality and there's actually a, an image I saw on Facebook from uh, Meg Bitten who does really cool portraits and she does a lot of education and she photographed uh, a child with uh, D5 and uh, super expensive lens basically a $10,000 US uh, setup and then she photographed the same photo with a D7200 and uh, like a 70 to 200 lens so basically a uh, $900 US setup or something like that. Um, and people guessed wrong as to which photo was which, <laughs> right? She she put it up yeah. for like a week and said, guess which was shot on the, on the more expensive camera. And people guessed wrong because they looked identical and the D7200 actually looked better. So long story short, yes, you can get the quality, but if your equipment is not... Capable of protecting your protecting you in the long term, then you may want to consider either you know other sort other terms of backup or a little stronger limitation of liability clause. Um, mm-hmm. Now this is where I'm going to kind of suggest another topic, and it has to do a lot with insurance. Um, we'll we'll definitely cover that in the upcoming episode, but. Part of your limitation of liability, part of your liability coverage should be liability insurance. Um, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that probably in, in the London area, if there's 100 photographers shooting weddings, there's probably five of them who have a liability insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yes, I'm one of them. Um, and to tell you the truth, it doesn't even cost $1,000 a year. Uh, It covers more than just liability. It covers liability at the studio as well. So if you happen to slip and fall on your face down, walking down the stairs into the studio, you're also covered. But also all my equipment is covered. Every single thing that, Mm -hmm. if it gets stolen the day before the wedding, as long as I can, you know, secure uh, a purchase from somewhere, my insurance company is going to to write a check and say, you know, here's your equipment. Even if... um, if uh i drop my camera with a lens you know for some reason and you know 6000 dollars down the drain it's still covered so and that that's something that could happen at a wedding too right that's why you carry a a backup uh it's not because your camera is going to fail it's because drunk uncle ned is going to dance his way into you and your camera is going to go flying across the street <laughs> or across the dance floor i meant to say and uh, that's that's what's going to happen. No doubt, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. last clause that, uh, that I think we should talk about before we drag this episode way too long is uh, I think the use of images. Um, as so a copyright. Copyright. <laughs> uh, I'll say right now that I, I really don't care who owns the images. I, I'm I'm the last okay, person well, to worry about the word copyright or this or that.
0: Well, let's... Let's get into that just for yeah. a second. So legally as a photographer, the images that you produce, you own. So until the
1: client pays for them and in which you used to release the, or you may, you may still release the copyright into the hands of the I consumer.
0: really hope that no one's doing that. So when I was doing, um, USB yep. sticks with printable files, then you would release, um, the printing rights, um. So people could take their images, and you would have to give them written permission if they were taking their images to get them printed somewhere, because some of those kiosks they would actually not allow people to print photos without the written permission to do so, which I find interesting. But in in my copyright clause, it just says I keep the copyright to all my photographs. Um, I also don't provide printable digital files, so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. <laughs> that they have the printing rights to the photos. Um, but legally, as a photographer, you own the rights to your photos. So just put it in your contract. And then if you're releasing printing rights, you tell them, um, or if you're giving them a USB stick, that should be a part of your contract as well, that the rights to use these photos will be included in your USB stick or on so, your disc. So put this into
1: your contract, because if you don't, the minute the client gives you money and you give them a USB stick with digital files, you automatically, um, transfer the copyright to them. At which point what you're doing, what you have to do is then put into the contract that you as a photographer retain uh, the right to use them for either self-promotion or for professional review or for competition or things like that. Because the reality is, and I know there's been some changes to the copyright. Finally, Canada was one of these countries that sort of protected the consumer more than the artist for a long time. And I know there's been some changes recently because this is an episode in itself about copyright but for the longest time the minute you were paid for your services you did not you no longer retained the right to your photographs period that's just how it worked and i believe now what what, the way it's treated is essentially what's happening is you're licensing the photographs um yeah and that's what i think
0: in a lot of i think it you no. that
1: that's what uh (laughs) we did with um um with our with the agency, sorry, I've lost my train of thought for a second. Yeah. So when we photographed, uh, for example, I think you came out with with another person when we photographed uh, some detail shots at uh, Home Sense that was opening up. Winners, you know, yeah, winners Home Sense, yeah. So um, I was photographing for an agency, so I wasn't photographing for Home Sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when when we did those details, those details uh, ended up on websites. They ended up in catalogs. They ended up in rather um, any publications that TJX did to promote themselves, right? I They never called me and said, hey, can we use this or anything? Because the yeah. contract said, um, you, you know, we're paying you for your services. We get to use the photos. With the exception that uh, as we were packing up the car, <laughs> uh, I turned... I remember when we when we were packing up the car, uh, the light, the way the light hit the the this the winner store. I had turned around and uh, I was like, "Oh, that looks really cool!" And I had just I just snapped a picture quickly, just a quick snapshot, mm. and I emailed that to the winner's um, uh, executive. I was just like, "Hey, this looks really cool." Well, they put it on their website and they put it. And this wasn't through the agency, they put it on their website and they put it on when you go to uh, uh, like a store locator. When you Uh um, search for the store, basically it showed that store, whatever. So they sent me a quick little uh, um, contract, if you will, that gave them the license for 99 years. So I licensed Uh that photo to them for 99 years and i I just did this as a favor to them more than anything um, and uh, they sent me a hundred and fifty dollar gift card in the mail yeah so uh, just as a little something something but
0: well anyway um. So I think every sample contract that you'll probably read will say something along the lines of you keep the copyright so that you can, you know, print and Mm -hmm. sell the photos that you're not releasing the rights to the client so that they can sell their photos. And I don't think it's necessarily important to put anything in your contract about selling the photos. So my contract, for example, says that I keep the copyright so that I can promote my business in print and online. Um, I think that's really the only important part that you Absolutely. can put in there, yeah. really. Because your clients aren't going to sell their photos and you're not going to sell their wedding photos. Come on, be you, realistic. You could,
1: potentially. <laughs> if you, I mean, yeah. this is a rare occurrence, but if you're working with uh, with a vendor um, and you're like, hey, look at look at this dress I photographed. It's a uh, world-class shot that uh, you could definitely use for promotion. Um, I'll li- I will license it to you for... The duration of the year for five thousand dollars i'm just throwing numbers out there and they go yeah absolutely yeah that's the only time you would sell it
0: i don't think it's i don't think it's important to put it in your no. contract though because i have had people when i was using a sample contract like that um, i had people come back to me and be like you're gonna sell our photos well why are we <laughs> yeah. paying you then like, well, in,
1: the, in that case you, i'm
0: not yeah. selling your photos i just have to put it in there and yeah so here's a
1: question i have <laughs> for the listeners and um uh, question I have for, for you and question I'm going to have for the lawyer as well. Because up until this point, I always thought that w- that uh, use of images, the uh, the copyright clause was basically served as mm-hmm. a model release as well. So if I wanted to post these photos on my website, et cetera, et cetera, um, that the client is essentially giving me a model release. So do you think we need to get a model release from the client to use these images on the website? Or does our contract, our agreement, you, uh, serve as a model release by having them sign it, by having that co- copyright clause, the use of images clause?
0: So I would say that the contract is the model release in that case. Because yeah. uh, mine explicitly says, I will use your photos to promote my business right. in print on my website and in wedding magazines and okay. blogs. Mine also says that I will comply with apl- applicable privacy legislation Um, not entirely sure what that is, but I mean, I figure Um, I am since I'm not posting their, their full names and addresses and emails and stuff. Like I'm just using first names. Yeah. Now I guess the one last thing I wanted to talk about quickly is that if you're doing electronic signatures, you have to be careful because there are particular, um, requirements, um, For your contract to be legally binding if you're taking electronic signatures, Um, TAVE adheres to those requirements. So if you're doing electronic signatures, make sure that you're working with a company that is taking that information and providing it to you with your contracts so that you're not going to an arbitrator at some point and being like, well, they electronically signed it. And the arbitrator could say, well, this doesn't meet the guidelines for electronic signatures so it's not a valid contract so make sure that you're working with a service that is actually yeah and if you're you're doing electronic signatures
1: what it comes down to is uh, is a blurb that says this electronic signature serves as legal blah 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 um
0: well there's specific information that you need like um, their ip address and a whole bunch of um like for mine we're looking at my electronic um Uh, contract here right now and there's a there's a fingerprint so there is um a code associated Mm -hmm. with each signature um and there's a whole bunch of other information in here that i don't really understand but (laughs) perfect (laughs) i guess i guess is important to um the electronic signature signatures but we're like an hour and 20 minutes into this (laughs) If we have talked about contracts well, for a
1: long time. about other random stuff, which I hope our listeners enjoy.
0: I know. I think we're going to have to talk about contracts again because we do have some other contract Absolutely. topics that we want to go over. And I don't think we even, we don't, we didn't even cover everything in these contracts. But what I'll do is I'll, what I think I'll actually post these, our contracts, our wedding contracts to Facebook. Um, and then you guys can discuss them, ask questions about particular, um, Clauses and stuff. Um, but we want to talk about associate photographer yeah. contracts as well. Yeah. Cause
1: so w- that's what I'd like to do is maybe in part two, cover uh, different types of contracts as well. Uh, portrait contracts, commercial yeah. contracts. And I want to... yeah model releases. model releases. And I want to cover associate photographer yeah. contracts. So, um, you know, some of you who are going into the world and uh, are hiring second shooter uh, help then there's a a type of contract for that. Uh, Those of you who are Mm -hmm. going to use associate photographers, so essentially you're going to have photographers uh, working under your brand, then you should have a contract for that. Um, That will limit your liability and uh, essentially give you a commitment between the other photographer and yourself and the third party being the client. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely cover that. So this is a perfect opportunity to actually have some questions from our listeners and, uh, you know, to make Mm -hmm. sure that we kind of have a solid topic and stay on topic.
0: (laughs) Stay on topic? Did you just say that? Clearly, we're not very good at staying on topic.
1: Nah, just because it's (laughs) Christmas time. (laughs) All right. On that uh, note, um, thank you everyone for listening. Um, Sophia, maybe we can uh, let them know how they can get a hold of us.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you can share your feedback on this episode on face, on Facebook, sorry, at Double Exposure Show group and we will post the episode as well as the applicable documents there. Um I wanted to say thanks to Benjamin Edward for our artwork um and go to his store at benjaminedward.ca and then maybe you can also get a levin phone case. Um, so you don't smash your phone yeah um and thanks to ben sound for our theme music um the podcast is released every wednesday and you can find show notes for this episode at double exposure dot show slash episodes slash 14 you can also subscribe there and leave us a five-star review at double exposure dot show slash itunes and if you tell your friends and share it with your coworkers, we would be eternally grateful eternally yeah that's all I have to say. All right. I will be thanking you from my grave. <laughs> <laughs> I will be haunting you and just going, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah. it's time to end. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> fine pants now.